This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. So to add to the strike action this week, today British Airways staff have also voted to go on strike. Katie, tell us about what's going on here. So I think it just adds to the sense that we're heading to a very chaotic summer and potentially further beyond. So rail strikes this week, more strikes to come. And now I think you add to the fact that... uh, Airlines are already struggling with the number of passengers who want to travel this summer. You have a British Airways staff strike. This is related to Heathrow. 700 members of staff have said that they plan to strike. And this will be during the summer holidays. Now, this is because there has been an offer of pay, which hasn't been accepted. And therefore, it's just becoming a common theme when it comes to these pay rises, uh, which lots of people feel are not proper pay rises because of inflation and how that rolls out. And I think, as James said previously on this podcast, I think right now the government is in probably the more easy part of this, which is eventually if no no one can really get where they want to be and everyone's very unhappy, I think there'll be more pressure to say, well, Grant Shapps, why aren't you in these negotiations trying to do stuff at the last minute? Why is it that you're taking this different approach and that will increase? So, James, what is the medium or long-term solution for the government to prevent more of these things coming? Because clearly inflation does make a very you know, strong argument for public sector pay increases. I think this is a slightly different case than the rail workers because these are BA private sector employees. And I think, again, the government would think, oh, look, this disruption at airports is global. You had 19,000 flights cancelled in the US last weekend. You've had all sorts of um, announcements today about a whole bunch of flights cancelled in Germany, preemptively. But I think the problem, is, as Katie's put her finger on it, is if the danger for the government is if there is a sense that nothing works in the country and people get frustrated, mm. people are, the, the Americans have this phrase, it's going to be the bummer summer, right? Because like everyone wants to have a proper summer because they haven't been able to have it because of COVID, but, but petrol is expensive, gas as the Americans call it, food is expensive, flights are getting cancelled. I just It's not going to add to the gaiety of the nation, right? People are going to get more and more irritated. And when people get more and more irritated, they tend to turn on the government or think the government hasn't got a grip. And so I think this is the the challenge for the government is how to do this. I mean, there is an interesting question about what do these companies do? I think there's an, we were discussing this on the podcast earlier this week, which is, you know, is it one-off cash payments, essentially a kind of cost of living bonus, avoids from the company's point of view, baking in that higher level of wages, but offers some immediate relief to people who are trying to work out how they pay for hugely increased energy bills and supermarket bills. So... I think that is difficult. I also think that people were looking to this year as the year that kind of finally got COVID behind them. But all of this continuing disruption is going to make it feel much less like the pre-pandemic world than any of us would like. And Katie, while all of this is going on, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, has managed to fly out of the country and he's in Rwanda today and he will be over the next several days for the Commonwealth uh, Heads of State meeting. Tell us about what is on the agenda for him there. 
We know that he is meeting with Prince Charles, and the reason this is topical relates to a recent story suggesting that Prince Charles was alleged to have said that he thought the government's Rwanda policy was appalling. That's the policy to send those crossing the channel illegally to Rwanda instead of keep them here in the UK. And there's been briefings to say, oh, well, they're going to be having a cup of tea and discussing various things, and Boris Johnson's going to effectively defend his policy and tell the royal to give it a chance. It's not why they're there, but I think part of the reason that Prince Charles' story emerged in the first place is it seems at least as though there was discomfort in the royal household about the fact this trip was becoming more politicised, the Commonwealth event, because of the policy that is also based in that country. I think you can see again from the briefings the fact that the government, again, is quite happy to say, oh, look at these people who don't like our policy, we're the mm. only people on your side. But I think mixing and too many briefings about the royal family are not necessarily a good precedent going forward if you think about what will happen when Prince Charles eventually takes over. James, tomorrow is also the by-elections in two constituencies, Wakefield and Tiverton and Honiton. Tell us about what we can roughly expect. Obviously, by the time the next episode comes out, we'll know the results. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I mean it's one of those things we wait. I think the general expectation in Westminster is that the Tories will lose both of them. I mean, there was in the last few days a little uptick in Tory optimism. But they might be able to hold on because it's it is a twenty four thousand majority after all in, in, in which is you know, and Cheshire Amerson was about sixteen thousand, so may, maybe. But I personally would be surprised. I think you know, I mean Boris Johnson is in Rwanda. I don't think he's going to have to make a mad dash back to celebrate a by election success. But and I think the kind of I think in some ways the impact of these results is limited by the fact that. There was that confidence vote mm. just a couple of weeks ago. It would clearly be absurd to suggest changing the rules just two weeks on. But one thing I would say is how much people talk about things being baked in in politics. There is still something about something happening. Mm. And everyone goes through the numbers and applies the numbers to their own seat and what effect that that has on people. So, I mean, there's a limit to how serious this can get because... You had a no confidence vote only two weeks ago, but I but I think it I think it will make I suspect that Tory MPs will be, will will be in a more jittery state this weekend. I also think it is interesting, which is Boris Johnson is at the Commonwealth Summit in Rwanda, then he's coming to G7, then he's coming to NATO. It, it it's a big week of him on the world stage showing leadership at, at both the G7 and at NATO. He'll be pushing for a, a tougher position on Ukraine, and. I think one of the challenges to him is, though, there is a danger to prime ministers who have been out of a country for a long time when politically... Now, I don't think he's going to come back and find that someone else is sitting in his desk, right? But but I think it is... I think one of the difficulties for him is, how do you balance saying to people, I am leading on the world stage with... I'm getting a grip on all these domestic problems that are beginning to affect you. If you think back, Tony Blair went on the, 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 basically spent almost kind of a month on trips after 9-11 as he kind of crisscrossed the world. And at some point, people begin to say, well, hang on a second. E- even with something that, this serious, hang on a second, who, who's running the shop at home? So I think that will be an interesting question for the government, especially if there are more strikes next week. You know, mm. how, do, how does the government project grip? Well, Katie, is part of the motivation of the government here that Boris Johnson that's actually performing better on the foreign policy defence side of things? Um, a couple of weeks ago, we saw him not going to the Northern Research Group's conference and going to Kiev instead, because that seems to be, you know, he's getting praised by the Ukrainians and like be- being pilloried at home. So is he actually finding those issues easier to deal with? Than- I think if you look at areas where the government is seen to be doing well, foreign policy is one of those 
for example, at the Conservative Home Summer Drinks reception last night, Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, gave a speech. He would say, you know, Britain's back, now at meetings, we're treated differently. Now, of course, he would say that because he is Defence Secretary, is a reason to pick up his policy. But it does touch on something, which is the UK is viewed as having shown leadership on issues like Ukraine, also Hong Kong. There have been a few examples of this. And I think when it comes to leaving the EU, having the nimbleness that it gives you to make decisions more quickly and then have others follow has something that's actually benefited UK foreign policy. Therefore, I don't think it's a great coincidence that Boris Johnson attached himself to that. But of course, he does need a domestic agenda. And I think there is a risk here that when you add up all these things together, it looks as though the domestic issues are a bit more of a headache for the Prime Minister and perhaps he is he is not paying due attention to them. You had Keir Starmer recently suggesting at Prime Minister's questions um, the, the Prime Minister was an ostrich Prime Minister with his head buried in the sand. Now, I think Boris Johnson bounced that off fairly successfully, but I can start to see how that catchphrase could come back to haunt him if you do get more stories, you know, saying this is the longest period a prime minister has been away from the country. It's not as though he doesn't have problems back here. Mm-hmm. And in the process, you, you isolate people. I think when it came to the Northern Research Group, I don't, as a one-off incident, it's particularly damning on the prime minister. But I do think cancelling so last minute, at least from the perception of those who were mm. at the conference in Doncaster, you are just winding up your own side and you only need a few more of those things before people start to feel so you're either not the priority or you're just too much hard work for the Prime Minister to bother with. James and Katie, thanks very much. And if you enjoyed this podcast and I want to hear our latest by-election analysis, do join our Twitter space tomorrow at 1pm where James will be giving half an hour of his time to answer your questions about the results once we know them. So if you're a Twitter user, don't miss that. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you like The Spectator, you can subscribe for just £1 at the moment to get to digital access. And if you want print access on top of that, it's just another pound extra if you go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Thanks.